Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News, Illinois. Today we're releasing the last of our candidate interviews. This one is with Supreme Court candidate Mark Curran, the Republican running for the 2nd District seat against Democrat Elizabeth Liz Rochford. Curran is a Republican and former Lake County Sheriff who has most recently been in the news as the GOP candidate for U.S. Senate, who lost to Dick Durbin two years ago. He's had a career in law for over 30 years, serving in the State Attorney General's Office and Cook and Lake County State's Attorney's Offices, as well as serving in private practice. He has not, however, served as a judge. Rochford is a Democrat who's been a judge since 2012, and she also has over 30 years' experience in law. Her interview can be found at the same place you're listening to this one. You're about to listen to an our interview with Curran. He spoke with Peter Hancock and me in late September via phone call. One thing you'll hear discussed in our various judicial interviews that we've published and are publishing at Capital News Illinois is the judicial canons of ethics. That's a set of rules contained in the Supreme Court Code of Conduct that prohibit candidates from divulging positions on issues and saying how they would rule in any given situation. If you've listened to our other interviews, you'll note that Kern was far more willing than other candidates to toe the line of stating positions speaking frankly about what he believes is the partisan nature of the current court and where he thinks the court has ruled wrongly. While Kern said running for judicial office is different than his previous races as a political candidate, we discuss at length some of the controversial things he said in previous elections, as well as what he believes the role of the court to be and how partisanship affects it. We also go into some of the more administrative questions we cover in other judicial interviews as well, along with his views on how he would interpret laws related to abortion, a topic that has become a major wedge issue in this campaign. So without further ado, we'll get right into our interview with candidate Mark Curran. So um, I guess first of, all, first of all, should I call you Sheriff Curran? Or um, I know if you want to go in a, a little bit of your background, then after that, you're a sheriff, you ran for Senate, you're now a private uh, lawyer. You know, the, the sheriff is a title that seems to stay with people forever. Uh, but I don't really care. You can call me Mark or whatever. All right. So then do you want to just start us off with your background, why you're running? Sure. Um, by way of background, I uh, grew up mostly in Illinois. Uh, Southside moved up to um, Lake County. Uh, and... I'm a former county, state, and federal prosecutor. I worked in both the Lake County and the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. I went down to the Attorney General's Office where I was a supervisor and criminal and had civil experience down there. I went out into private practice and spent uh, time as a conflict public defender as well as representing large corporations. And I was elected sheriff in 2006, first as a Democrat, and I made the switch to the Republican Party in 2008, and I was reelected in 2010 and 2014. I'm the longest-serving sheriff in Lake County at 12 years. I'm, I'm back in private practice right now, and I'm running for Supreme Court. I was the Republican nominee. There were four candidates in the race, and I emerged out on top. Okay, so what do you consider the stakes of this election when it comes to the Supreme Court? Well, for the last 58 years, the Supreme Court has been controlled by Democrats, uh, primarily four to three. And um, you look at what's going on 
in the rest of the state. And, and J.B. Pritzker is the governor. And the Republicans are in a super minority in both chambers of the Illinois General Assembly, that being the House and the Senate. So what we have now is, let's say Darren Bailey wins. Uh, he's behind in the polls and everything, but, you know, I hope Darren Bailey wins. Even if he wins, um, chances are he's going to be a, totally ineffective in many regards because of the fact that the General Assembly has enough votes to override any uh, veto by the, the governor. So the, the state will be continued to be run by one party, that party being the Democrats, and uh, there's no check and balance or anything in the state. You look at what happened earlier this week. Baby Pritzker gave my opponent $500,000. He's looking for a rubber stamp on the Supreme Court, somebody that's just going to um, continue to make sure that everything that they, the Democrats want to get done will get done, and there's no check or balance or what have you. So I think we're in a, a dangerous situation. I think that, um, you know, Jaron Bailey has to go through Cook County, and it's a heck of a task as a Republican. So, um, you know, all the polls have had Pritzker up. And so if we have a Pritzker governor and we have uh, the Republicans continue, then remember, the Democrats just rewrote the maps. So the maps for the Illinois House and the Illinois Senate are better for Democrats than they were two years ago. So if Republicans continue to stay in that super minority status um, or even a minority status with a Democrat governor, there's nothing there's nothing Republicans can do to stop that, that freight train of the Democrats just uh, spending and, and everything else. And Supreme Court, you know, we, we call it balls and strikes, but uh, my opponent has has far left uh, bias and, and will, you know, by taking that money and, and what she's done historically, and that is uh, giving large donations to Ed Burke, 15000 in in recent years. She gave money to Ed Burke, Alderman Ed Burke, whose wife is on the Supreme Court, and she gave him uh a donation even after he had been indicted. And that just goes to show you she is completely tied to the Chicago machine. I'll note here that the Rochford campaign said she was a donor to Ed Burke's Christmas fundraiser, and the last donation she made to Burke was a check signed and dated about a week before news of a raid on Burke's offices became public. But it was cashed shortly afterward. Now, back to the interview. Uh, Mr. Curran, this is Peter Hancock. I don't think we've met before, uh, but you were mentioning the four to three split on the court. Uh, I don't recall seeing a whole lot of decisions that were four to three decisions that fell along party lines. And just wondering, what do you see on the horizon in terms of issues that could come before the court uh, where partisanship is going to matter? Yeah, so Peter, I'll be honest, I wasn't prepared for that question, but there were a lot of decisions. You look at the fair map, you know, decision, and there were a lot more that were four to three. Uh, I can promise you that. And so what do I look in terms of the horizon? Is that what you said? Yes. I think that, you know, we, we, have, we have a balance. I mean, why should the citizenry of Illinois go out there and um, – get signatures for a referendum for a fair map and uh, get it on the ballot and all of the work that uh, goes to having fair maps where we're not 
gerrymandering the heck out of these districts solely to maintain power, only to have the Supreme Court shoot it down. I mean, you know, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not promising how I'm going to rule on any decision, but uh, I think that, you know, for, for people that see that, it shows that, that uh, you shouldn't have a lot of confidence in the way the Supreme Court has, go, has been going. So I wonder then your your comments, like you said, um, there's a general uh, tenets of judicial races where you're not supposed to telegraph. But uh, I think you're a candidate where uh, your your experience of running for the various office that you have has you on the record in a lot of ways. Um, are you are are you giving away too much with statements? I guess I guess kind of like the one you just made as well in regard to the uh, um, uh, Fair Maps Amendment? No, I mean, I'm called to be fair. I'm called to uh, rule upon the law as it's presented. You know, you look at, at the potential legislation and you, you look at whether or not it, it, it stands up to the Illinois Constitution and the U.S. Constitution. That's the decision that you make. But nobody comes without a bias. And... Um, when you look at my opponent, I mean, she has very far left bias. So uh, I think we can infer why, you know, all these leftist groups have gotten behind her and why, um, you know, she gives money to the Burks and, and all these Democrat uh, causes, because that, that's really where, that's the perspective that she's going to bring. You look at me, I'm a Democrat and switch parties. I think I'm much harder to pigeonhole that, um you know, I'm going to be fair, and I'm not really married to either political party, so to speak. I mean, there's so many issues that I've broken with party on. Uh, sir, uh, there is a, an organization out there called All for Justice, which has just released a new TV ad that will begin airing, uh, which basically says both you and Justice Burke have already made up your minds on abortion and that you would strike down the right to abortion, even in the cases of rape and incest. Uh, so I guess I'd just give you this opportunity to respond to that. I'd say that they lie, that, you know, they, that they're going to continue to lie, and that's what they do, and they want to uh, create uh, fear and, and distract from, from the issues that really matter. And as far as, you know, I, I'm Catholic, and I'm, I've said I'm pro-life. I don't remember ever saying anything about rape or incest or anything else, but I can guarantee you this much. There will always be abortion in Illinois, certainly for uh, rape and incest. Or I, can, I can promise you that, and uh, probably for a lot more than that. And I think Justice Burke and I both agree that our job is not to legislate from the bench. The, the, the Illinois General Assembly passed a statute, you know, allowing uh, abortion, and uh, you know, very, very, very late, although more so than any other state in the nation. And it's the job of the General Assembly to pass laws. It's not the job of the court. I have no authority to write laws, and I, I don't see any reason to believe that, you know, these laws are going to get overturned. So that's not true at all. So I, I guess you're, it, the Tribune has reported previously some of the comments you made regarding civil rights leader uh, John Lewis is maybe not much of a leader because of uh, his, his uh, advocacy for abortion. So how do you kind of reconcile comments like that with the statement you made uh, just now? Well, very easily. I mean, I'm not running for a legislative position. I'm running for a judicial position. Really, my job is 
you know, call balls and strikes and, and what have you. John Lewis was in the legislature. And, um, you know, you can go back in time and look at the comments that Jesse Jackson and others said about abortion way back that it's not that, um, you know, I think right now, if you look at the data, three out of five pregnancies in the black community end in abortion. You know, those are very, very high numbers. And, um, you know, as a legislator, he had a much different role. And, you know, do I think that he should have spoken to that? Sure. But I, I said that, you know, I apologize for that, too. You know, I didn't. Uh, John Lewis was a civil rights leader. I'm not I'm not in a good civil rights leader. I, I mean, I disagreed on that. So here I'm going to jump in and note that Curran texted me shortly after our phone call to say he, quote, accidentally misstated the percentage of pregnancies that end in abortion in the black community. He pointed me to a policy report by the Center for Urban Renewal and Education entitled The Impact of Abortion on the Black Community. And he again said his positions won't be relevant on how he rules as a judge. So I'm wondering if you could kind of sum up your judicial philosophy mentioned several times just calling balls and strikes. Uh, but a lot of times uh, justice is called on to do a lot more than that. Um, would you call yourself a, an originalist, a strict constructionist, uh, whatever other kind of ism you want to use there? Sorry? Call myself? Yeah, how would you sum up your, um, your judicial philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I'm somebody that, that believes in natural law, and um, I, I would say that, that for the most part, I, I believe in uh, in um, you know a, a, the the process. It's a, a checks and balance. So we have the job of, of the legislature is to draft laws. Um, the job of the executive branch, although they have ad hoc agencies where they have uh, pseudo legislative responsibilities, but for the most part, their job is to enforce the laws. And the job the judicial is to rule upon them if brought before them. And, um, you know, myself, I, I, I think that I, I would look at all of those. And there's a lot of laws that are on the books that I personally disagree with, but they, they're completely constitutional. And um, they've gone through the process, and that, that's really that's all, all that's required of it. Can, can we unpack a little bit what you mean by natural law? Well, I mean... I, so I, I, I've spent a lot of time um, Jesuit high school, Jesuit college. You know, so we we studied Aquinas, and uh, Socrates obviously was natural law. And Thomas Jefferson um, writes about natural law in the Declaration of Independence: "Nature's God and nature's laws." That's natural law. So a lot of you know what I believe you know are self-evident concepts. And you know, I mean, I, I think people understand what natural law means. Okay, so what about for the unreligious types who will be voting here, uh, is, is, is your emphasis on faith um, that's evident on your campaign website, is that, uh, is that going to be a turnoff for voters? Or I guess, how do you justify that for someone who might be wary of that? No, I, I mean, I, I think my, my belief system really has nothing to do with um, with that, I, I mean, everything that I believe, as I said, I believe because of natural law, not because, you know, some church said so or says in, in some book. The other thing about natural law is, is that it's things that are self-evident 
independent of any text. So whether it's the Quran or, or uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, uh, it, it's not the basis for which I believe what I believe. So, um, yeah, I would say that that's not a valid concern. And I think that um, by the same token, we don't want to prejudice against people that do have faith. Discriminate, I should say. Um, as you know, the Illinois Bar Association uh, interviews candidates for judicial positions, um, and they give a rating of either highly recommended, recommended, or not recommended. Um, and they gave you a rating of not recommended. Uh, would you like to respond to that? Or, uh, yeah, they- I would. Yeah, I, what I would say is essentially that. Um, I think people that know me and know my reputation, the highest rep- the highest standard uh, for both ethics and ability by um, um, Martindale Hubble, which is the chief accreditation agency for lawyers. I've tried more juries than 99% of, of Illinois lawyers. Uh, you know, I think that people who have seen me will tell you that I'm a super talented lawyer. At the end of the day, though, if you look up the numbers, 70% of all attorney Donations are are to Democrat candidates, not Republican candidates, number one. Number two, you look at my opponent and all of the huge, huge, huge money that she's received from trial lawyers, and they haven't given me any. So what what is the interest of trial lawyers in giving all this money to my opponent and other Democrats? Well, you know, they, they wanted a playing field where they can sue for anything, get huge windfalls in terms of verdicts. And, um, you know, essentially make the environment for businesses and and others very, very difficult to compete. And that's why so many businesses have left Illinois and will continue to leave. So I think that most people know what's driving that. Well, you just brought up an interesting point, uh, the idea that, and I guess it goes with the territory when you have an elected judiciary, uh, is that you have contributions from individuals and organizations who may someday uh, have issues or cases before that very court. Um, and I'm just sort of wondering how do you uh, separate uh, Mark Curran, the candidate, from Mark Curran, the potential jurist? Well, I think that most people that know Mark Curran know that um, – Unlike, you know, others, there is no quid pro quo. And that's why in the primary with, you know, four candidates, I I didn't raise any money at all, really. And I didn't even look to. And I, I think that people understood that, that Mark Curran's somebody that uh, he's going to be uh, balanced enough and, and, and fair enough. But by the same token, you know, we're, we're looking for something oftentimes when we, when we make donations and, um you know, people that tell you that's not true, well, they're liars. They're absolutely 100% liars. People, they make contributions hoping that they're going to get one thing or another, and usually it's not good government. I mean, that's that's the reality of, of the world we live in. So um, I I was not the first choice amongst Republicans, obviously, but I was the first choice amongst voters, and the voters saw Mark Curran. I was somebody that consistently stood up to his party, consistently stood up for the right thing, got to realize, I mean, I came from Lake County, Illinois, which is renowned for wrongful condition convictions, better than any, uh, um, better known than any other county in, in Illinois, maybe in America for wrongful convictions. And the only person that ever really stood up to uh, the 
the brass in Lake County, Illinois, was me. Look it up. Look up who called for the firing or, or uh, resignation of Mike Murmel, the head of the criminal uh, criminal uh, division in the Lake County State's Attorney's Office. As a result of that, I was treated horribly by many of the powers that be. The State's Attorney, Mike Waller, never said another word to me. A lot of judges treated me like garbage as a result of having done that. But that's, you know, end of the day, that, that's my history, is standing up for what's right and not being uh, somebody that's bought by, by anyone. So if I could go back to the Bar Association, did you just, did you were you offered the opportunity to uh, have that interview with them that other candidates have said they participated in, and, and did you decline if if, if that's the case? Um, so I did participate in one um, interview, but um, you know I, I would would say that I didn't. There were you know things that were asked that I wasn't able to fill out. I just don't remember you know specifically, but. Um, it doesn't, you know, the, the fact that um, you, you got an interview or what have you, I don't think people really believe that that makes a difference. Okay. So I wonder, do you, do you think any of those ratings are, are maybe affected by the fact that, A, you've never been a judge, and, B, I mean, you don't have to look very hard to find some questionable social media posts? Um, you know, I mean, I ran for – in the past, you know, I was serving in the executive branch and I served in the legislative branch. So obviously, um, it's far different than being a judge, and you're, you're asked to take opinions on issues that a judge would not have to. And as a result of that, you know, not every opinion everybody's going to agree with. And so, you know, judges get to play it a little safer than somebody that's running for a legislative position. But um, not being a judge, you know, I, I suppose that probably factored with some, but. I mean, you look at historically, you know, Thomas Kilbride, whose spot, you know, we, we hope to replace, uh, was not a, a judge before going to the Illinois Supreme Court. Elena Kagan on the U.S. Supreme Court was not a judge. Former, you know, Chief Justice William Rehnquist was not a judge in, in the lower courts. And none of these people were. We have a long history of electing people that weren't judges. But, you know, some lawyers with, with such an elitist view might, you know, think that way. So I wonder, um, one of the Facebook posts you can find, you, there's sort of some questions you raised about January 6th. So I wonder if you could just give a, a sort of a top-down view of... of yeah, I, I mean, let's put it this way. You guys are never going to catch me lying. I, I don't... I Other people posted on my Facebook page. I did not... I've never posted anything about the election. So I've never, you know, some stuff that's been attributed to me other people had access to my page and posted, you know, with regards to the election. I've said before Joe Biden won, and I absolutely believe that. Okay. Um, so then I think had some questions uh, about the administrative role of the courts. Uh, yeah, of course, you know that the at the state level, the Supreme Court has uh, pretty significant administrative duties. Uh, and I noticed that one thing that the administrative office keeps track of is the seemingly large number of uh, unrepresented litigants uh, or self-represented litigants, people who don't have an attorney, uh, often in child custody cases, in uh, orders of protection, uh, various other kinds of cases. And I'm wondering if you think there's anything that can be done 
uh, either within the courts or maybe at the legislative level uh, to make access to attorneys in non-criminal cases uh, more accessible to lower-income people. So I, I think that we need to give counties the discretion as to how the, the, they want to handle it. Uh, you know, I'm somebody that, that believes in that concept of uh, um, subsidiarity, if you will, that, that you know, top down what's you know what's good for one county may not be good for another county. But um, I would say that um, what essentially, with regards to, um, I'm sorry, somebody just uh, interrupted me. But, um, you know, I was a pub conflict public defender for a long time, and I represented a lot of people charged with murder and other serious crimes during that period of time. And I can tell you this much, that um, you're not getting paid very well for all the cases that you're handling. You know, your hourly rate is, is, is very, very low. But by the same token, you, you know, that's part of what we do. That's part of public service. That's part of um, stepping up and, and um in helping others and honoring the profession. So I think that there's a way that funds could be allocated so that uh, some of these people that, that come to court that, that would be better suited to have an attorney, you know, a woman that's been abused and is seeking a divorce or order of protection, that we could get one appointed to her at a, at a lesser cost. And, um, there are organizations that step up and do those things, and we have Prairie State Legal Services in Lake County, Illinois. The Lake County Bar Association has a volunteer uh, legal program where, where attorneys do step up and, and take on those cases. But I agree, you know, that it's, if we want to really have a model system of justice, we should do more for the for the indigent people that have matters that matter that are not necessarily jailable. And another thing that they're grappling with right now, uh, regardless of what you think of the law, is that uh, courts are will have to um, administer and implement the Safety Act and the Pretrial Fairness Act when cash bail is abolished. Um, and the Supreme Court, of course, you know, has some work, working groups that are trying to come out with guidance or local courts, uh, what sort of guidance would you give? Um, so what I'd say is, is you know, I, I'd hope that the legislature would take another look at that. I mean, that, you know, whether it's constitutional or whether they had the power to do that or not is, is a far different question. But uh, obviously the implications of the Safety Act are, are, are devastating in terms of the safety of the individuals of the state. So, uh, you know, as far as guidelines and how it should be handled, I think, you know, the implementation is more, uh, much of it is along the lines of the executive branches, how, what the state's attorney's office and the, the uh, sheriff that runs the jail are going to do. Okay. So I wonder uh, if you have any thoughts on the process of justices stepping down amid their terms, so a a uh, chosen successor uh, can get two years prior to the next election. I've seen, we've seen it with Justice, uh, well, Justice Michael Burke was an appointment, uh, Justice, uh, um, Chief Justice Burke's, uh, Justice Cunningham, her replacement, and then Justice Holder White. Do you think that's fair uh, uh, to, to the election process? 
so it's a 10-year term, and at the end of 10 years, you really don't vote for the judge justice again. You essentially um, should he or she be retained, yes or no, and there's no party affiliation, so typically they're always retained. So it winds up being a lot more than 10 years if, if a justice uh, seeks a, a, another term. I would say that uh, because the terms are so long, the things are going to happen. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, somebody gets sick or a family matter or what have you, and they need to walk away. Um, I think that's understandable. And, you know, having it, having an election shortly thereafter, you know, within the two year uh, frame, as you said, I, I think is a, is a safeguard as opposed to, you know, somebody uh, stepping down after one year and then waiting, having somebody fill in for the next nine. I mean, that, I don't think that would be right. Okay. So there's one other thing that I, I was in the in the course of research for this interview. I had watched an interview with you on Illinois Channel. I think the program was called Public Affairs, and and you made a comment that you thought there was a deep state lining up against you within the primary. And I, I wonder what that means. Um, a deep state in the primary? Yeah, there is a deep state lining up against you. I think. You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, when you're running for a legislative office, it's far different than when you're running for a judicial. And um, the reality is that uh, I think a lot of people have seen this, that that the Republicans are in a super minority and that um, one of the problems, I, I think, is that the leadership has stayed too long in many instances and they're they're way too friendly with the Democratic Party. And only the only reason I say that is, is because oftentimes it seems as though they vote and they um, rule and they legislate in a way that's maybe good for them and not their constituents. And I think that we need to, I think we're better served by having a, two, a truly a two-party system and, um, you know, not, not one that just uh, kind of sits back, rubber stamps, and makes sure that they can get reelected regardless of what happens to the rest of the people that represent um, their, their party. Okay, so, so I was kind of a bowling ball in a Chinese shop at times, you know, that I didn't, if I didn't like something, I said it. Yeah, so this this was actually in July, I think, uh, this interview was posted. So, I mean, just. So it would have been after the primary, yeah. Right. So, any, I mean, is there a deep state? Oh, in, for me, in this, in this race, are you talking about? Yeah, I, I I found an interview with you an Illinois Channel uh, that was posted in July after this primary in which you said uh, I don't remember that interview. I'll be honest with you, but um, what I would say um, is that uh, I think everybody, most of the Republicans, are on board. This they, they realize the consequences of you know continuous rule by a, a partisan Democrat for forever is not going to be good for Illinois. And they need to stop. So I, I don't really know any Republicans that are not that are working against me in this race. Okay. So I, I guess unless Peter has any more questions, just an opportunity to give you any closing thoughts on the race and this discussion. Well, Peter and Jerry, thank you uh, both for letting me speak. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the opportunity. I, I would say to the people out there that are listening that uh, – I have a long record of independence and balance, and that's what this state desperately needs. And if you ask people why are they leaving Illinois, it's been the the one party, uh, a, a Democrat governor, an overwhelming majority in both chambers with the Democrats and a Democrat Supreme Court just jamming everything right down their throats and not 
necessarily what they want. And as a result of that, we have a, a horrible climate for business. We have a horrible climate for so much, you know, crime and, and what have you. And we need balance in this state. And the only way we're going to really truly get balance is, is by uh, flipping that court from a four to three Democrat court to a four to three Republican. So at least there's a check and balance. At least there's something to stop that. And if we do that, we can we can um, basically work towards making sure that other people don't want to leave the state because they have no chance making sure that people's children, grandchildren might stick around, that Illinois might thrive again. And really, that's what it is, is we we want somebody that, that not is going to rule in a partisan manner necessarily, but is going to rule in a manner that um, that is a balance on the governor. And the governor doesn't want that. That's why he gave $500,000 to my opponent this week. He's, he's looking for a rubber stamp, somebody that's just going to look the other way. And you're, But if you vote for her, you're really giving Cook County a fourth judge. So they get three automatically on the Supreme Court, three justices, and the other four are supposed to be spread throughout the state. She will vote with those three every single time. I think we can essentially look at and, and surmise from, you know, who she's aligned with or every t single time it matters. Sir, thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you Take care. That was our interview with candidate Mark Curran, and it marks the end of our special election conversations with each major party statewide candidate and each judicial candidate. You can find interviews with the other candidates at the same place you're listening to this one. As always, thank you for listening.